Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the 4Jack Podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by former mini-tour professional and current world long-drive competitor, Mrs. Cassandra Meyer. Cass discusses how she got into the game at an early age, which led to her playing in the Junior Ryder Cup with Tony Fino and a future career in golf. She dove into what life was like on the mini-tours and what she learned from those girls that helped propel her into a career as a long-drive competitor. This is a great interview with a true golf gal. Enjoy the episode. Cheers. Here it comes. Welcome back to the 4Jack Podcast, brought to you by Jackson Labs. Speaking of labs, we are back in it today. Big uh, big guest for the boys. We've got a golf gal on today, actually. Maybe one of one of few, but always always a pleasure when we have the golf gals on. So before we dive into our guests, we'll go around the horn and just say hello to everyone. Parksy, what up? Gentlemen, ladies, how are we doing today? Pretty excited to be here as usual. Looking forward to our golf extravaganza in a couple weeks here. More so stoked to get into this guest tonight, and she probably hits it longer than all three of us combined. That's scary. That's not a so question, anyway. Parks. With her five iron. <laughs> With her five <laughs> iron, yeah. She's got a great move. Probably one of the best moves, like technically, I've seen for long drivers, men, women. So, yeah, excited to get into it with her tonight. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. And that voice you heard in the corner, Thomas, what up? Not too much, brother. Uh, yeah, excited to be here to dive into it with Cass. Um, one of my favorite things, scrolling through her feed, learning a little bit about who she is, was this video where she imitates all the different golfers that exist out there from like the frat guy that thinks he's good to the old lady. And yeah, the like golf dude one. I was convinced you're like looking exactly like a dude, just popped collar, rocking it. And yeah, it was good. Nice to know that she has a good sense of humor and I'm excited to dive into it today. Absolutely. And speaking of that guest, we have a world long drive golf gal with us today, Miss Cassandra Meyer. How are you? Hi guys. I'm good. How are you? Good. <laughs> we just Thanks gotta for having me on tonight. Give you the applause. We got to do it always. Oh, oh my God! Wants to make her friends. Perfect. <laughs> Sorry. Beautiful. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. So we're oh, Tell us. That's about Dakota. Dakota. He's Dakota, beautiful. Awesome. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> For our guest, Dakota, Cass's dog just made an appearance on the show. We are big, big advocates of dogs here at the Four Jack Podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm in the midst of potentially getting one here soon, so we can start bringing it to the golf are course. You? And- Really yes. just push the like fact that dogs, if they're well behaved, should be allowed out there, right? Oh, absolutely. I took her out for sure when she was a puppy, um, all the time. And she would just ride in the car and then you know, she's about eighty pounds now, so it got to be a little bit more of a hassle to bring her out there. But she still comes out in the evening sometimes when no one's out there and she's a good girl out there. She'll she'll stay by and close by and it's uh yeah, it's fun to have your dogs out there. I think they should always be allowed. Well, I imagine it'd be a little tougher to chase down that ball when you start ripping it out there. I mean, bit of a run. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Cass, where are you camped out right now? I mean, everybody's kind of moved around, especially in the States, but 
You look like you're living in a nice little cabin right now. It looks, looks like comfy. a sauna. It looks actually. cozy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is a little cabin. Yeah. Um, we're up in Wisconsin, uh, just outside of Madison, um, little town called Baraboo. Uh, we're here through September at least. So um, it's the first year that we've spent like a summer outside of Florida, uh, which is, you know, where we're based um, most of the year. So we're just outside of Orlando. Um, but I'm actually, you know, grateful to not be there right now because shit's kind of hitting the fan in mm. Florida right now. So, um, you know, it's nice to kind of be out in the country. And I feel like it's very easy to be, you know, kind of separated from everything that's going on right now. So it's, it's a good mental break for sure. Yeah. no. And kidding. they have great golf courses around here. So it's all good for me. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to ask, how is the golf scene there? Are oh, it's open? great. Yeah, it's really good. Um, there's a couple of really nice private courses. My husband's teaching at a really nice private course. So we've been playing there a bit. There's a few smaller, just, you know, public courses that are beautiful. And then of course you have, you know, sand Valley and, um, you know, courses like that kind of larger scale courses that aren't too far away as well. So, um, hopefully get to travel a bit more this year and, and go and play some, some cool venues. Yeah. No kidding. Um, before we even kind of dive into like the whole long drive way that you kind of went down, why don't we go all the way back? Like, tell us like how you got into golf, like how that whole passion started, where did it start and just guide us through the journey. Yeah. So I started playing when I was about nine years old. Um, I grew up in upstate New York in Rochester, New York. Um, my family just played, you know, during the summer, obviously, cause you can only play like four months out of the year there, <laughs> probably similar to what yep. you guys are familiar with. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, my parents played, my grandpa always played, um, nothing serious just for fun. So, you know, I would go out with them every now and then. And I just kind of, uh, fell in love with the game. I think I was a bit of a natural. So, um, of course when you're good at something, you, you know, you want to do it more often. So, um, you know, I didn't love it at first being a little kid. I just wanted to be a kid and, you know, my parents never pushed me into it. It was never anything that was, you know, planned out for me to do, or, you know, you see a lot of these parents that are kind of pushing their, their young kids or to play junior golf and be competitive at an early age. But that definitely wasn't the fact for me. Um, you know, I, I, had like a family membership and we had a ton of juniors that would just hang out all day at the golf course. So it was basically me and a bunch of boys playing golf all day. And, you know, that was just fun for me. So I think it was, it was a perfect scenario to, to fall in love with the sport because I did it just because I loved it. And, you know, I, I hung out with my friends and it just was, was fun. So, um, and then down the road, you know, I started playing junior golf and, and, uh, what sort of sparked your competitive junior side? What was it that kind of made that happen? Was it just like everybody was doing it? So you just kind of followed along or did you find you were competitive? Um, yeah, I think I just, uh, you know, I was pretty decent at a young age and, um, I think I've, I've always been pretty competitive. So I honestly, I don't even remember like how we got into it at first, probably just small events. Um, you know, and you know how they have like, just your local junior tournament sheets. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, yeah. Hey. Like really low key. Um, and then just gradually down the road, we started, you know, doing like, a, I think I did a U.S. kids golf tournament it was like my first big one. I think it was maybe in Virginia. And uh, so that was like a really big deal for me. And then 
I think I played horrible in it. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we just ended up, um, we had a really good girl actually in the same hometown as me. She was just lighting it up and she was just like this little phenom at the time. So it was kind of her and I, and I was always one step behind her. And so she always kind of like kept my fire burning to, to get better. And um, so then I started doing like just some junior tours, you know, we weren't really like super well off. So I wasn't off doing AJGA or anything like that. Um, but I did the, a tour called the junior PGA tour, uh, which at the time was like sponsored by Callaway and was a really good junior tour. So um, I did a lot of those. They were a little bit more affordable. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I did well. And, you know, I think I was like a three-time player of the year and earned a way into the junior Ryder cup. And um, so, yeah, it was just sort of an unexpected thing for me. You know, I just, I, I did it cause I loved it and had some success and exactly that's the way it should always be for kids. Yeah, you know? born, born out of innocence instead of like the parents trying to fit you into a mold or something. Well, I, I yeah, think the best absolutely. thing, like the kind of you brought up there that like, I think gets overlooked a lot is like, yeah, you were just a kid hanging out at the course with a bunch of other kids. Like, I mean, that's yeah. how Tom and I kind of grew up. Like I literally remember walking on the range, kind of knowing him, but not really. And then all yeah, of a sudden you're just hanging out. Days. And it's like, <laughs> I know it was the best days ever. I feel like that doesn't really exist anymore. I mean, I've seen it a little bit up here in Wisconsin. You, know, you still have those kind of country clubs and the kids go and, you know, they spend all afternoon at the golf course, but we don't have that in Florida. And it's really sad to not see more of that. Um, so I've enjoyed getting to see it here because it kind of brings me back to the best days of my life, really. Well, you just have, you, yeah, there needs to be good. more public golf courses that are just like fun and accessible. Like we were out at an event a couple of weeks ago and like here in town. And I remember as a kid, like you used to have to line up at six in the morning when they were releasing the junior memberships and there'd be 500 kids in line, like ready to go. And it's like, yeah, that that's what I want to see. Like, that's sick. Like, just get right. your kids out the door and go play golf, man. Like, my mom used to drop me yeah, off the right. and be like, and yeah, like the, eight. it's what you do as a family too, you know. And it's mm -hmm. not just like the guys are, you know. Well, I mean, of course, like the men had their league and whatever their league night and stuff. But I mean, it just was some. That was like what we did on the weekend, and that was what a lot of families did on the weekend. And it just was, I don't know. It was it was cool. Like everyone Good knew bonding. each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For sure. that time you kind of touched on it a little bit, but Junior Ryder Cup, you kind of have an interesting story. You had an interesting teammate. How did that relationship kind of take shape? Uh, yeah, actually, um, you know, when I got onto the Junior Ryder Cup, I because I didn't play AJGA, um, I remember I, I got in after uh, I played the, the PGA Championship for juniors, and Lexi Thompson won it for the girls, and I finished third. <laughs> I've heard and, of her. I think she's she's yeah. pretty good, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, she's done okay for herself, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Tony finished pretty high up that year as well. So, um, I, you know, I found out that I was going to be on the team with, like, all these kids that I was just like, whoa, you know, I was kind of, like, the underdog for sure. So I was really nervous going into that situation. And um, funny enough, Ricky Fowler was actually supposed to be my partner, and Ooh. he ended up not going. Um, I'm not really sure why, but – uh, he ended up just not making it over to Wales. And so Tony Finau ended up being my partner. So I think either way, I would have been pretty well off. <laughs> yeah, both and, uh, studs for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So Tony's just an awesome guy. I mean, we 
became friends after that. He and his brother Gipper, um, you know, we played in some other junior events together and um, hung out a little bit outside of golf and stuff. So they're just an amazing family. And, you know, what you see now with Tony and just his personality and like how humble and down to earth he is, that's like everything I remember him being, you know. Yeah, you'd be down to earth too if you had teenagers as well. You'd be down to earth too if you had 12 kids. Yeah. Like he's do it Doesn't he have like months. 19 kids now or 30 yeah. kids or something? Like, <laughs> I know. He has like four kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he's one of 10, I think. So he's used yeah, to Yeah. He comes from a big family. I remember, I can't remember what it was on the golf channel. He was doing some kind of playing lesson with maybe Chris Coleman was out there with him or something. I, I can't remember who it was. Anyway, there was like six or eight kids on the golf course that day that they were filming. So it was pretty cool to see that, like having the kids be a part of that whole system and feel that's really really right Right. yeah that's awesome so you kind of played through your junior golf i mean spending some time with tony and you know the chance to play with ricky i mean that's always like a chance of a lifetime really but yeah i had never actually met him so um i just remember like that he was supposed to be there but i never got the chance to meet him or play with him back in the day yeah back then it was just ricky fowler was a name it wasn't like this (laughs) this thing this phenom right Mm -hmm. so yeah i remember that he there was some article written up about him that he was on some major streak of winning and he like wasn't going to cut his hair until he lost an event or something like that so he had like really long hair at the time and it was like this awesome. whole big thing <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing he's a rock star so yeah at, at this point, he was then too i guess at this point in life like were you still like you're known for hitting the ball very far were you when you were a young golfer were you also hitting the ball quite far back then too or was there something in life where you're like i need to hit it further to beat this girl that i'm constantly chasing because that's going to get me where I need to go. And then you started working on getting distance or was that just always naturally something you were gifted with? No, that was always pretty natural for me. Um, I always was like one of the longest hitters. I remember playing with Michelle Wee one time and, you know, we might've hit it about the same. Um, Sorry, what? I played with- Who was that you just name dropped? <laughs> Michelle Wee. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty casual. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> were you guys junior players at the same time or uh no because she came out on tour so early and she's i think maybe like a year or two younger than me so um we never really crossed paths i just i worked for the david ledbetter academy for a long time so when she was on property all the time one time we just went out and like played a few holes so Very cool. um and then brooke henderson i played with her a bit uh just on you know mini tours and she hit the ball a long way then i'm sure she still does but uh, was, she was hit that it a on long the, way. was that on the symmetra tour i think we played a couple of like suncoast tour events okay. together which is just like mini tour in florida yeah um but she was one of the more the excuse me <laughs> most impressive um female players i've ever played with for sure yeah she's, and she's not a she's not a super tall girl either like i i know you're no. not you're not 6 feet you're kind of in between there <laughs> And she's kind of maybe about the same height as you, five six, five seven, kind of thing, or yeah. I mean, I'm like barely five five, so I think she might be a little taller than me, but she's not a big girl. Right. Okay. So obviously, doing something right to generate power and hit it long. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it just was like my natural dynamics. You know, um, I always had very fast hips. And then you know, I think it's just from growing up playing with the boys all the time. Like I yeah. played the 
further back up. to you than yeah, I was just trying to keep up and you know, I was just trying to be like them. So <laughs> that's cool. probably trying to impress them a little bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what what were some of those things you picked up while playing on either the mini tour or the Symmetra tour that kind of like really stuck with you? What was it speed? Was it your short game? Like I mean, there's those girls, like watching those girls, it, it's so amazing. I mean, you're just watching pure fundamentals. It's so easy yeah. to follow that compared to watching the men. I mean, you must have picked up so much in that time. Yeah, I mean, they're honestly, like, quite boring, you know what I mean? Like, in a, in the best way possible, but it's just like, good shot, good shot, oh, good shot, you know, like, oh, another fairway, another green, oh, you made another putt, okay, you know? Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're just, they make, especially short game, they make look really, really easy. Um, Women are really, at least most of the, like, the best female golfers I've played with are just amazing putters. Mm -hmm. Um, they just like, don't miss anything. Um, at least compared to the men, I feel like that's what really sets them apart. Um, and obviously there's some amazing, you know, guys on the PGA tour that are amazing putters as well. But just for me, like, that's what really stood out, you know, about the great women golfers that I played with. Um, you know, honestly, the most underrated thing in golf is just the mental game. Um, I, think that you know fundamentally and you know talent wise like I was good enough to make it at one point and you know the mental game is just it's so hard there is this x factor that the people that make it have and I would have put my money on a few guys that I played a lot of golf with that they would make it that haven't and then I've played with some people that were just not that impressive that have done extremely well for themselves. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just that, there's that X factor that you can't really put your finger on what it is, but it's just, they get it done at the right time. You know, pressure does not get the best of them. Most of the time they even perform better under certain circumstances. And it's just so underrated in golf, like how hard it is on your mind and how strong you have to be. And you have to deal with an insane amount of pressure for such a long amount of time as well. So, um, you know, I think that that's what people don't really understand about playing golf at a high level. I want to know, like, because golf, playing to, playing to shoot a score is one thing. Being in a long drive competition where it's like, yeah, you got two minutes to try and smash one as hard as you possibly can. Like, yeah, the relationship between the competitive spirit in those two different environments where one is like, yeah, I got to keep calm and like do this. And the other one's like, okay, you got to unleash the beast for two minutes here. And like, how, yeah, like I mean, you actually want to get your heart rate up. You like want to get pumped up. You know what I mean? Like regular golf, you're like, okay, calm down. Like try to get your heart rate down. Like, you know, control your thoughts. Um, long drive, which I actually really love that about it because I was such a mental case on the golf course, but I feel like it didn't play like so much of a part in long drive because you're kind of forced to just go back to like your instincts and you don't have the time to, to get too much in your own head. Um, So I think that it's a little bit more similar to like, you know, an action sport, like where you're just, yeah, you're dropping, you're you're reacting. Yeah. And you're not like standing there waiting to like pull the trigger and think about what can go wrong. I mean, there still is that aspect to a certain point, but not as much as like traditional golf. So 
what was I your, quite enjoyed that about it. <laughs> what was your transition like from playing professionally and sort of chasing that dream? And then what, what sort of steered you towards long drive? Um, well, you know, my professional golf career, if you want to call it that, um, just came to an end purely because financially it was just too much for me. And, um, you know, I was always working full time to like try to fund my golf and, you know, there's, I've talked about this before. It's just a lot that people don't really know goes into it. And, uh, it just got to the point where I felt like I needed to make a choice and, you know, I probably pulled the trigger on that a little early, but, um, you know, like it wears on you for sure. Uh, it's like being in a bad relationship when you're giving so much to it and not really getting a whole lot back. So, um, I think I, I think started resenting it a little bit. <laughs> I think we all relate to that being former golf professionals in Canada. It's like whenever you run into someone, they're like, Oh man, you're a golf pro. Wow. What a dream job. All you do is play golf and you're like, actually I make $0. I don't want to be at the golf course. And, and I, I didn't play, play any golf. I have to work extra teaching right. to try and recover that money. So it's like, it's a big balance of stress for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, I was, um, paying for everything myself. And, and so if I missed a cut, you know, I had to go back to work and wait until I made more money and, you know, and I was working at an academy, so I was like <laughs> cleaning up after people that I was playing against. And, <laughs> you yeah. know, so it just was like it, it got to me a little bit. I think um, I became a little frustrated with it, and um, right. that certainly doesn't help you perform when you need to, when you have all that extra pressure on yourself. And yeah. you know, I already struggled with some confident. I probably wasn't as confident as I needed to be. Um, you know, and got in my own head a, a bit too much anyway. So putting that extra pressure on myself just uh, was not helpful. Oh, wow. So yeah, it's like every, um, you know, I sorry, go ahead. No, it's it's just yeah, like every step you take down that four hour round or five hour round, just knowing that like okay, I worked two weeks for this to put the money on it, and like being able to disassociate from that and stay in the moment and hit your shots and like yeah, it that's a, that's a super difficult thing to do and like commend anyone yeah. who's ever actually been able to do that because like a lot of a lot of people like this week we just had uh the travelers and they and they talk a lot about how this is a huge tournament for up-and-coming talent that like gets a sponsor exemption into some well, of those things right yeah. and will gordon comes out and it's like yeah when you've done well and you get the opportunity because someone sees that that's one thing but then when you're like not nah, i like i believe in myself i'm gonna i'm gonna go into the internal depths of it and like it, it it's a challenging thing to like, yeah, like keep that separated enough to be able to perform. Well, I mean, we've had for another example here, like we had Mark Baldwin who's playing on the corn Ferry, and he was kind of describing like those first few months on the corn Ferry, And he's like, yeah, that's sponsored by MasterCard, Amex and Visa. He's like, <laughs> out of my own pocket. Collecting, like, collecting bottles. Yeah. And, yeah he's like, exactly. it's so stressful until right. you actually get a paycheck. Like, I mean, that's stressful. Yeah. And if you don't it. have like a major sponsor, you know, it's really hard. And then even like playing with someone else's money isn't either easy either. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can still put tons of pressure on yourself, especially if it's someone that you know, or have any bit of relationship with. So, you know, that still is, and I'm not using that yeah. as an excuse at all. Like, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of people that are going through this exact same thing and, you know, didn't come from money and 
you know, working their asses off to try to make it and they still get it done at the right time when they need to. So, and that's just what I'm talking about. Some people have that and some people don't. And I really take my hat off to the people that have, you know, just grinded it out and always kept faith in themselves because it's not easy. It's not an easy road out there. And it takes a special kind of person to perform well under those uh, circumstances. One thing that I think is actually really cool is, yeah, like how you've, how you shifted the vision a little bit, right? Like, I think that's a, a unique trait in someone when they're like, I'm going through this, it's not working. How can I pivot this in a way that like suits what I'm trying to do in life, right? Like, I don't want this strip, this pressure of this negative energy, but like, here I am, I'm good at golf. I have something going like, yeah. How do I channel this and like kind of feed what you actually did? Like you, what your weakness was, maybe we'll call it that of just not being able to believe in yourself the way you should have because of the money. Being in my just, case. Yeah, like, and that's fine. Like I know going I'm not gonna into go meetings, there with it. Yeah, like yeah. going into meetings, knowing I need to close a deal, right? And like I know how that's felt in my own life, but it it it's really cool to see that you're like, okay, this is something that's a challenge for me. I'm gonna just lean into it. And like let's go long drive where like I, I can I can actually like utilize this as a skill. Yeah, well, you know, I, I can't really take full credit for that because I took a good uh, five or six years off <laughs> between the two. So uh, I uh, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> um, I actually just worked on a beverage cart for five years. <laughs> and, um, you know, I obviously pause. like missed golf like crazy. And that's a huge, you know, people don't really talk about like what, players or athletes in general go through when they make the decision to to discontinue you know pursuing their dream because that's, that's a really hard transition to go through and I mean I'm sure you guys know if you you know tried to play professional as well but it's just such a huge part of who you are and you've put so much of yourself into pursuing this dream and and so much thought into what your future was going to look like and um you know how you were going to get there and that was really difficult for me i had to do a lot of uh soul searching after that and, and i mean i grew up in a good family and like have a pretty good outlook on life and everything so um you know i can't imagine what it's like for people that maybe don't have that support system as well but um yeah it just was hard it was it was such a huge source of like my confidence and what I felt made me unique and like, was a big you know, made you me as a person. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And like just having that, not having that, those competitive juices, like it just, it was a lot to give up and, um, you know, kind of, I didn't have a backup plan. So it was a, a difficult time to go through, but, um, yeah, when I had the opportunity to <laughs> jump into long drive, that just kind of happened by accident as well. Um, my husband coaches Tim Burke. So, uh, you know, he's we had good. him around and yeah, he's, he's all right. <laughs> I loved him. He's like my brother, but, um, my much taller brother, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, yeah, I, I kind of use that as an excuse to be like, well, we're going to go to an event and, you know, if I do really bad, then like, we're just here to support Tim anyways, I'm just going to do it for fun. Yeah, and no try pressure. to qualify. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Take <laughs> and, and um, That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I had wanted to do it for a long time, but you see these numbers that like the top 
three or four girls are putting up and they're just insane. You know, I mean, you're seeing like some numbers over 400 yards and I'm like, okay, like I'm going to get blown out of the water. You know, this isn't realistic for me and I'm not exactly a big girl. So, um, yeah, I didn't, I, you know, it was always something that I wanted to do, but I was kind of scared to say it because, you know, I didn't want the people around me to be like, okay, like you yeah. can do long drive, whatever. Sure you can, you know, but, uh, the first event I went to, I didn't make it through qualifying stages, but, um, you know, I gathered enough information from that event to know that it wasn't unrealistic for me. So, yeah. So like, um, take us through this process then. Like how, what did you do to like prepare for this? Like did, what was the fitting situation like? I mean, what were you doing to like gain all this speed? Can we go back to just one, like, I like this. <laughs> Sorry, I, I go too fast sometimes. I, I want to know, because you took your break, and then, yeah, like, what was it that was like, okay, I'm going to get back into this, right? And then into the speed. Well, I mean, obviously, our connection with Tim helped, but it was also was social media. Um, you know, my whole social media also kind of happened by accident. <laughs> None of that was sort of, like, planned either. I did it. I, I remember I got, I was like really late to the party. I got Instagram like right before the last time I went to Q school and um, I, you know, I was never on Twitter. I was never on Instagram or whatever else was around during that time. Um, and I, re I remember like the second or third post swing video that I posted kind of, I didn't mean it didn't quite go viral, but like, you know, it got shared and I was like, man, this oh sounds God, familiar, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> heard this story before. This is awesome. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that sort of, I, I remember there was like an entire year that I did not post on Instagram and it still grew. <laughs> wow. So, um, and it, it grew a lot at first and then obviously like it hasn't really like blown up or anything like that, but, um, it, it did at first. So it was kind of, like, oh, shoot, I should have done this a lot earlier. Okay, so <laughs> and then you started hearing about girls getting exemptions through social media yeah, and everything. And I was like, well, crap, I should have started this like four years ago. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so before we even get into the speed and stuff, for, forget the process right now. This is interesting. Like, so with social media, like, we've had, <laughs> I was going somewhere with that, I promise. Yeah, no, no, we can. I like we that. Like, like it is amazing. Like, how, how, how has social media kind of dictated your almost career now? Like, we've had. We had uh, Tanya Tare on, who is like the trick shot artist. I mean, oh, yeah. she based her career off that right now. And it's like, holy cow, like your career was based off of doing trick shots from picking up the sport that you enjoyed. And now all of your sponsors are through this and you're just scheduling posts. And this going is to similar events. though, because yeah. Tanya was like, you know, I didn't really want to do it and no. blah, blah, blah. And I didn't really care about one it. Post. It was kind of born out of innocence, right? And then one yeah. post goes viral. And one post goes viral. Sounds, yeah, very, very familiar. Yeah. I mean, I think that like at the time it almost like you didn't want to do it because there was a big, you know, all the girls like doing mini tours and stuff were kind of getting annoyed that like they felt like they should get exemptions that other people were getting. And, you know, so there was sort of the negative well, I mean, there were, there were quite a few girls that were at the time, but, you know, there just was sort of a negative vibe around it. So I was sort of, and, and I was kind of done with golf at that time as well. So, um, you know, there were reasons why I, I didn't really want to get like too involved in it. 
Um, but then it got to the point where I was just like, whatever, like, let's just yeah, see how I mean, it goes. I mean, I had auditioned for Big Break and didn't get on because I didn't have any social media. And it was actually starting to like negatively affect, you know, situations that I was in. So that that was kind of at the point where I was like, okay, I just need to do it. And because who knows mm-hmm. what can come out of it. And it's just kind of the way that the world's going, you know, and if you don't do it, you're really kind of silly because you're missing out on opportunities. So, um, but anyways, <laughs> like a that's Zoom kind of how I got into a long drive. Like surely, like, I mean, yeah, exactly. with exemptions and whatnot, like, as a mini tour player like yourself, like you'd probably understand the frustration. I mean, like even look at, you know, VJ Singh a few weeks ago trying to play in that Corn Fairy event. And it's like, hey, man, like you made $70 million in your career. Do you mind just, you know, bug off and let us play? But like at the same time, a sponsor's exemption is there for a reason. You should Absolutely. be allowed to take yeah. advantage I of I for sure can understand both sides of it because as a player, um, you know, you if you're if you're spending the money on a tour and you're investing you know a lot of money in your membership and your event fees and whatever i guess you do feel like maybe you're owed that opportunity before someone that hasn't invested any money into it yet but also you know so i think that we, we all need to get to the point where absolutely yeah you have to get to the point where you have to look at the big picture and like what's going to grow our sport. And, you know, you have to look at it in the long run. And if you're annoyed that someone else is getting in because they're getting more attention, well, like they're probably doing something pretty awesome to get that attention. Right. Or like maybe you're not that good with fans or maybe you're not that good on social media or, you know, there, there's always something that you can do better. And, you know, obviously that's just kind of like an excuse. Yeah. Like even just focusing energy on that aspect of it. Right. Like it's like, I'm, I'm resentful towards someone else for what they're getting rather than focusing on how I can work and to improve and create opportunities for myself. It's a like hater mentality a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to go out and you have to get what you feel is yours and, play to a level where you don't have to worry about what sponsors exemptions are coming in totally you're yeah, going to be there oh, no man, matter what, you know what right though? or Honestly, develop the like, charisma some of those girls it. sorry tom okay. i'll just jump in here real quick some of those girls like if they can't break 85 on a muni track at home like they should not be playing a semester tour event an lpj tour event any of that stuff like that's kind of embarrassing touche but if you were given if you were given the opportunity to why would you not take it? Because you never know what's going to come out of it. I'd go out there and shoot 100 happily, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, good. yeah, you, I think that you just have to get to a point where, um, you know, you, you're saying yes to things that are, that make you uncomfortable. And like, that's when things start to happen. So. Exactly. Yeah. So speaking of uncomfortable, now we can go into that uh, uncomfortable move that we probably felt a bit odd. What was the long drive experience like? Like, what what did we do here to like get prepped, get ready, get that speed going? Like, what did it Give feel like? Give us some tips. How can we hit with, it longer? Yeah, <laughs> like hit it to longer. play with that like, long what's... driver at first. Okay, so that thing. was kind of where I was going with the whole so- <laughs> social media thing. Is that uh, <laughs> I had a couple of long drivers reach out to me that were like, "Hey, you know, my swing was getting shared, and they were we're looking for more women to get involved because we don't really have very large fields and." So um, I think that that sort of fueled my fire a little bit. Like, okay, these guys that have a lot of experience and have, you know, watched the women hit for years actually think that this is something that I could do. So um, that definitely helped me 
you know, get, get involved and, and get really excited about it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so training wise, um, <laughs> you know, we were sort of trial and error really, because what my husband's worked on with Tim, Tim already had like the raw speed and, and he was not lacking in distance. He was more, okay, let's get this in play and let's figure out how to still be able to get it in the grid in all sorts of different conditions, you know, what shot shapes, because all of that comes into play. Like you're not just swinging as hard as you possibly can and it's going to go in the grid. Like you still have to be a bit of a player as well. Um, You have to be able to adjust to winds and different grids, different bounces. You have to be able to work it both ways. Um, So there is some some traditional golf that comes into it as well. So for speed wise, I mean, we just, yeah, I started training a little bit differently. Um, Cause you were a personal trainer or were you sort of getting into that a little bit? <laughs> yeah. I've been all over the place. Like during my five <laughs> years, I was a photographer. I, I did, um, I did do my certification, like online personal training, uh, which I finished right before COVID and I haven't been able to take my test yet, but, um, I have kind of like finished the course. I haven't really been like super motivated to get it completely done, but, um, yeah, so I have, I have a a lot of that, like, you know, I've been doing it since I was a kid and, you know, it was, has always been a part of my life. So I started training, um, just sort of to like get my fast twitch muscles firing a bit more, um, started lifting a bit heavier you know, I definitely went through like some different cycles, just trying to see what would translate to my golf swing a bit better. Um, Your move is then, so good. I have to tell you, like it is un- mechanically, it's so, so good. So is that something you've really worked on to change adding long drive, trying to add speed, or is it just kind of been natural and now you're just trying to tighten things up? Yeah. I don't think that my swings change too much. Um, I think that, uh, it's gotten longer, obviously. Um, you know, we went to the longer club. We went to 48 inches or it's like 47 and a half, which is, um, you know, the longest that we're allowed. So it's all still like USGA regulation clubs. Um, I went to a lower loft. Uh, so I, really the only thing that's changed in my swing was a little bit of my setup. Um, a much longer swing kind of freed up that left heel a bit. Um, as is everybody nowadays, even the tour players, like they're almost right out yeah. of shoe at impact. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was nothing that wouldn't help my regular swing as well. You know, my, my, if I went out and played regular golf, you know, um, I actually started hitting my irons a bit better. I think after I started doing long drive, because I went back to what was natural. I used to have, um, a little bit stronger club face at the top, which I had changed over the years, uh, playing golf. And I sort of went back to just what was natural. Um, so yeah, I mean, it wasn't anything major, you know, we didn't have, I think I made the decision to try it in March and my first event was in April. (laughs) So (laughs) I didn't really have like a ton of preparation. Um, it really was yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was always a long hitter. So I think from my second event, you know, I finished second in Atlantic city, which was my second event. Um, what was it being but, like in the final there? You went right to the finals. <laughs> did you not? Uh, 
my second event. Yeah. How was that yeah. for the nerves yeah. and the pressure and managing all of that? Was it like you were just hopped up on adrenaline or like, yeah, walk us through that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, well, we go through like qualifying rounds, which is you don't see on TV, but they're actually like really exciting. So it's like a round robin format. And so it's four people hitting at the same time. And then, um, you know, you all you like switch up and then the points accumulate. And then the top, however many percentage of the field moves on. Um, so they don't do the match play, the one on one until you get to the quarterfinals. So or in the men, they do the round of 16. Um, so the round robin was just really fun because I did really well in that. And so just to like see my name moving up the leaderboard, like was just like really exciting for me. And (laughs) yeah, so, you know, I did well in Atlantic city because we had really tough conditions. So it, I'm, I still was like not even anywhere near being the fastest one out there. Um, or even like competing speed wise with probably the top four girls out there. Um, but we had just brutal straight into the wind conditions. And so that really, that helped me because I was able to hit a pretty flat ball, ball flight. And so, um, you know, that worked out well for me. And I, you know, I wasn't nervous in my semifinal and that was when I had the one and done, but then in the final, it kind of hit me and I was like, holy shit, like. I could actually like win an event, this is for you know? Real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and everything happens so fast out there. I mean, this is happening in one day for us. So, and then also we had a rain, we were supposed to get like really bad weather in the evening when the live show was supposed to be on. So they moved it up. So I had like no time. I went straight to get like a picture taken for TV. And then I went straight into the live round. So, um, <laughs> it was, uh, it was kind of just like a, ride the wave yeah, you blink your eyes and it's done wave. yeah what's your yeah. swing thought when you're oh, I, when... I freaked out during the final and you know missed all eight balls so <laughs> that's okay that's okay you really <laughs> i kind of went back to my old days learning experience, <laughs> of learning being experience. yeah i just i, I kind of want to just understand a little bit about your swing thoughts when you're when you're out there what what is cast focused on um, well, I mean, it's kind of changed, you know, as time gone has gone on, um, I'm working on some different things now than I was then when I was competing. Um, but, uh, I can't really remember <laughs> what exactly my swing thoughts were at that point. You know, the, the weather was so bad and, and I think I was probably just trying to hit a flat ball flight, but yeah, I mean, did. typically when... Typically when I'm out there, I mean, like I said, it really just depends on the grid and everything because you're either trying to hit like a big draw into, cause we have like hot spots on the grid. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it changes from tournament to tournament, but, um, I mean, if I'm just trying to, you know, if I have like a good practice session on the range, um, for me, it's really just keeping the club in front of me. That's like my biggest fault is it gets inside, especially swinging a 48 inch driver. So, um, most of the time I'm trying to feel a cut. Otherwise that hook will just get, keep Snake. getting bigger and bigger. So yeah, for sure. yeah. Cool. Now, like assuming everything gets back to normal, hoping for it, like what's the schedule looking like for you this year? Uh, we actually don't have one. So they've canceled it all, everything. And, 
Yeah, everything's been scratched this year. Is, oh, I is, thought uh, it might be put on wash, unfortunately. Oh, no. I thought it was postponed. Yeah, oh, I thought you guys shoot. had some events in the fall, but I guess not, hey? They canceled the entire regular season, and then Worlds is technically suspended, but I will be shocked if we have one. Wow, what, no way. What's the game plan then? Just train, bulk up, maybe a little juice? <laughs> I don't I don't really know I mean it's tough because I don't know where long drive is going to be next year um you know it's just it's taken a bit of a hit I think and so it you know it it sucks because it was something that I was like super excited about and Mm -hmm. felt like I sort of found where I fit in and you know was, was really excited to see what I was going to accomplish this year so it definitely was a a bit of a um of a shot when that was you know all when it was canceled like pretty early in the year as well so we were all kind of bummed about that but I mean hopefully I'll continue still training for long drive a little bit I've taken a a bit of a break from it right now I've I've actually just been like working on my regular game um I like hearing that. I was going to say, you could just be like one of those kids at the golf course now, just having fun out there every day, camping in the woods. Yeah, well, I mean, I still have to pay my bills, so I have to figure something out. Someone's got to generate revenue somehow. Yeah. Teach them how to grow. Yeah, so we'll see. I'm definitely still going to work on gaining speed and in hopes that, you know, next year we'll be back on track. So um, it might look a little different uh, in the future, but, I mean, we'll we'll see where it goes. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So you're going to be sticking in Wisconsin for the next little while at least, though? I am. We're here through through September, so probably a little into October. Cass, before we let you go today, we will, we always like to ask our guests some kind of a wow factor, wow factors, factor, story, factor story. And a celebrity run-in, it's got to be golf-related, something that's impacted you. You got a crazy story for us? <sighs> You know, I saw this question on the email and I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, I don't know if I really have anything. You know, my my Ryder Cup experience is kind of my claim to fame. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I was going to say the Michelle Wee story was pretty good too. So maybe we already got that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess like I've had some pretty cool experiences. Um, just like low-key little run-ins with people, um, on the beverage cart, (laughs) like my beverage cart days were kind of fun. Um, just because it was during my time where like, I wasn't playing any golf at all. And, you know, here I am like serving guys on the beverage cart and I'm sure you all know, like kind of how the beverage cart girls treated. So, um, you know, I have so many like funny stories with that, but you know, some of my favorite memories are like when a guy would, I do around and, and they'd be, you know, talking to each other and be like, Oh, you know, I just made birdie. And then the other guy would be like, she doesn't know what a birdie is. And, and then the, the next time around <laughs> they'd be like, Hey, you want to hit a shot? And I'd say, yeah, sure. So we had this little par four on our golf course that it was probably like 280 or so. So it was a drivable, drivable par four. And so I, I got up and took that guy's club that had just insulted me on the last round. I didn't say anything to him. You know, I just kept my mouth shut. 
then I pick up his driver and then I hit it on the green. And, wow. uh, and then, just like seeing their reactions like, like that. Yeah. Like my away. <laughs> so, so is that a birdie guys or what is yeah. that? I'm not really sure what That's that is. Awesome. Is that a field goal? <laughs> you, you got a three wood there, bro? So, let me, let me grab three wood. That's a little yeah. bit. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. Let me flight this a little bit. I love it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I have some good stories like that and it was just a lot of fun for me to kind of, it got, it, gave me pleasure during you know some <laughs> rough times in my life so. love it well love it you're always invited if you ever want to become a an author writer confessions of a cart girl right we can we can put oh these, yeah we can put these stories up on <laughs> the oh, yeah, perfect. and let the people know. I, I, I could fill a book of like what not to say to the beverage cart girl we'll keep, we'll keep you anonymous don't worry yeah, we, fine. we can definitely keep it anonymous but yeah as just hearing this i'm like yeah this is probably something that people like you know how you need to hold the mirror up to people so they can see who they really are it's kind of like the golf world if they kind of could read these stories and be like hey man like you guys are out of control yeah. <laughs> and I'm gonna bomb yeah. this 290 and flag it. So, but also, <laughs> I feel like I've seen golf and golfers from like every aspect that you possibly for can. Sure. So, <laughs> I love that. Cool. Well, Cass, cool. we can't thank you enough for your time tonight. Like just jumping on and sharing your story yeah, with us. It was an absolute pleasure. It was Very fun. Cool. Where it was can nice to talk to you guys? Where can people find you? Like social media and everything else. Like. Uh, so just uh, at Casmarie underscore B on Instagram, and I actually just signed up for Twitter the other day, so what? it's the same handle over there as well. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Yeah, Cass. Yeah, I do have a YouTube channel, but that I've uploaded like three videos, and they've been really lame. So uh, we'll we'll try to get that going at some point, but I'm not really like technically savvy so i've struggled a bit with it that's all right i feel you that's i feel okay. you i'm the same i'm the worst thank god we have somebody that's a mastermind in the group otherwise we'd be yeah i need some help yeah, <laughs> for yeah, sure well we can always talk about that later um cass i enjoyed getting to know you a little bit learning your story and yeah wish nothing but the best for you and hope to thank stay in touch so maybe play golf one day and you can show us how it's done absolutely yes, i'm in canada i'll let you guys know Awesome. Absolutely. I can't wait to be totally emasculated. Let me know if you're awesome. in Wisconsin. <laughs> we'll do get some we'll, cheese we'll and get enjoy some golf. Definitely. Yeah, um, there you go. Well, nice chatting with Definitely. Cass, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, thanks guys. Right. Take See care, you, everybody. It's been lots of fun. Bye. Cheers. Hello, 4Jack Podcast fam. It's your boy, Active Nation, and thank you for listening to the 4Jack Podcast. It would mean the absolute world to us if you could go hit that subscribe button and leave us a lovely five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. You know what? Because that would really make our day. Thank you, and let's keep on golfing, baby. I kind of like that last one. Okay. Then we're good. Got it.